Support comes from WFAE members and Mazda of South Charlotte, focused on applying Mazda's customer-centric approach for vehicle design to car buying and servicing in order to create an experience centered around the customer. More at MazdaofSouthCharlotte.com. This is Charlotte Talks. I'm Mike Collins. As Charlotte grew, so did our restaurant scene. With newcomers arriving, our habits changed from eating out only occasionally and usually at a chain restaurant or one offering a meat and three to eating out regularly at any of the plethora of new dining options springing up almost every week. The quality of the food also blossomed. Some of that can be credited to Johnson & Wales University opening a campus here. They began turning out chefs with more chefs moving to town, many of them James Beard Award nominees or award winners in waiting. And then the pandemic shut everything down. The restaurant industry bore the brunt of that shutdown. We lost more than a few. So is all of that in our past? Is the city's culinary scene back from the brink? We've gathered several restaurateurs and chefs to share their thoughts this hour. Sam Hart is executive chef and owner of Counter, a restaurant featuring multi-course tasting menus. Its sister restaurant, Biblio, is a wine-pairing restaurant. He is a 2023 James Beard Award semifinalist for Best Chef in the Southeast. Sam, thanks for being with us. Good morning. So pumped to be here. Thank you for having me. Alyssa Weiland is chef and owner of Chef Alyssa's Kitchen, which provides prepared meals, catering, and cooking classes. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Mike. You're welcome. Oscar Johnson is with us, too. He's a chef and owner of Jimmy Pearls. It's a coastal-inspired restaurant featuring Afro-Southern food, which we'll talk about in the course of our conversation. Oscar, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. And Kristen Weil is editor and founder of Unpretentious Palette. That's a digital publication covering food and drink in Charlotte. And boy, does it cover it. Kristen, thank you for being here. Welcome. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And I'm going to begin with you because you have this publication that writes about all things food in Charlotte. You've been doing it before. You were doing it before the pandemic struck. You did it all through the pandemic. Uh, you're doing it. You continue to do so today. So let me ask you. Are we back? Have we bounced back? I think we're back in some ways and in other ways, there are a lot of new challenges that are out there. Um, I think in terms of diners going out to eat and wanting to try new things and packing those reservations, uh, the diners are back out there. But I think from the restaurant perspective and, and everybody else on this call can probably answer it's much better than I can. But there are a whole slew of new challenges that are making running a restaurant business a lot harder that diners may not see as clearly as you saw, you know, like hand sanitizer on every table and plastic barriers between tables and limited seating and um, all of that in like the visual cues that the restaurant industry is going through a tough time. Those are kind of disappearing, mm -hmm. uh, but behind the scenes, there's still a lot happening. Like? Um, like costs of food, costs of labor. Um, and I think those things are, you know, I've had several restaurant owners in the last couple months tell me last year in 2022, they had a uh, record year for, you know, bringing in revenue, but they had a very low profit year. So the, the diners are there, but the costs are just making it so hard to make a good profit margin in operating a restaurant right now. We'll talk more about that a little bit later in the show. I, I, 
I'm curious. I know we're back in terms of. It seemed that when the when when the pandemic restrictions left, the floodgates opened, and you can't get a table at a restaurant on some nights, which is a good thing for people operating these restaurants. But is the variety of food, the quality of the dining, the 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 inventiveness of the chefs, Kristen, in your view, the same as it was? Uh, before the pandemic, are we on that same trajectory? Trajectory, because it appeared before the pandemic that we were on the verge of being something really special, food-wise. Absolutely, I think that that trajectory has continued. And during the pandemic, I think we also saw an influx of new people coming to the city. Whether it was from like people that were stuck in New York City apartments that were like just done with that lifestyle and wanted to move to Charlotte. There's a whole nother kind of diner that's come to the city. And now that we've opened up, they're really excited to experience Charlotte. And I think that's helping push that creativity. In the meantime, you've had chefs that had, you know, a lot of time to think about what their dream restaurant might look like um, during the pandemic and kind of like how the industry can change. And I think, you know, you see um, chefs like Sam, when he opened Counter, it's, you know, the, the priorities are really different in terms of taking care of your people. Um, and I think there's a push that's almost like kind of sub-level happening, but it's making the community healthier and that healthiness of the restaurant community, the people behind it, um, they're more creative because, you know, when you're burnt out, when you're overworked, like you just, you're trying to get through the day, right? You don't have the energy to be creative. And now like the Charlotte, the Charlotte culinary scene is such a tight knit community. People seem to really be taking care of one another. And I think that's enabling a lot more creativity because people are just energized to bring the city forward. Uh, Oscar, you came from Virginia and we'll talk about the kind of uh, southern cooking that you do with, with, with its Virginia and Afrocentric roots uh, in, in a second, but you opened Jimmy Pearl's. I, I'm not sure exactly when it opened, but you're operating post-pandemic and you moved yes. from Virginia. So that is a sign that I guess you thought things here were healthy enough to be here, right? Yeah, so actually I'm originally from Virginia, but I have been in Charlotte ever since 2010. I attended okay. Johnson & Wales University, um, but we did open up Jimmy Pearl's, our counter service restaurant here at the public, uh, 7th Street Public Market in September of uh, 2022. And so um, that was a transition from our food truck, uh, Jimmy P's uh, Street Shack. And so um, the backdrop or the backbone of Jimmy Pearl's is really tied to um, my partner, uh, Coop and I, um, our roots in Virginia. Um, the Tidewater seafood, like the quality of seafood that we were accustomed to growing up. And then also, um, to your point about the Afrocentric Southern piece of it, is the part of my heritage from Lawrenceville, Virginia, which is a you know, pretty rural area, um, straight down 85. And so we just really wanted to you know, bring those two things together. And that just kind of speaks to the brotherhood that Coop and I both have. And so that, that reflects on the menu as well. Well, you, you opened in 7th Street Market, which is right on the uh, light rail line. It's a, it's a stop on the light rail line, which is a, is, a, is a point in its favor. But we're also watching Uptown have a slow recovery in terms of people coming back to the office to work. And I would yeah. think that the lunch crowd at 7th Street Market is not what it used to be. Has that impacted your business? It definitely has. Um, we've seen, um, I think when we first moved in, there were people slowly getting back into the office. Um, I think we had a real big um, push from Bank of America employees. Um, and it was literally just like this one day where, you know, a bunch of people came back and um, it has impacted. Um, and we, we're, we're very familiar with 7th Street Market. Um, I used to, um, we did a pop up here before um, when Jimmy, Jimmy Pearl's first debut back in 2020. 
And then also I ran the kitchen um, at the uh, Uptown Yoke when Uptown Yoke bre- uh, Breakfast Restaurant used to be here. Right. So um, it's definitely changed a lot, and it's really such a slow build on the way back up. Um, management has changed here at 7th Street Market um, like three times, you know, so that, that's been a little bit challenging as well, um, getting different perspectives and trying to get a, a strong presence of like a – um, someone who really knows what's best for like the food and beverage and trying to get that foot traffic and making a gold mine out of seven street market, you know, after so much change has happened. Yeah. Uh, Sam, you run two restaurants, you run counter and Biblio. Uh, I, I guess that says something about the health of the restaurant scene in Charlotte, that you have two uh, different dining establishments going at the same time. Did they open post pandemic? So we actually, we're at a different location at a different address when we first opened up. And then we moved into our permanent location just three months ago. So September 9th, 2020 was when we opened up counter, which is our tasting menu restaurant. And that was over at the city Kitch, which opened in the middle of the pandemic to assist a lot of concepts to get their feet on the ground. Mm-hmm. So when that had some success, um, we decided to find a permanent location. And that's when we moved to 2001 West Moorhead. And so with Counter, um, we actually opened, we signed the lease, designed it, built it, opened it up and closed it all during the heat of the pandemic. And then we opened up Counter 2.0, you know, as people quote unquote thought it was coming to a close because in reality, the pandemic is still around and I don't know why people act like it's over. Um, but well, expand we on that. What does that mean? <laughs> it's not over yet. Well, you know, the first nine months of COVID-19, uh, like, sorry, the first seven months of COVID-19, uh, the average amount of cases and the average uh, fatalities of COVID-19 is the same as what it's been the past four months. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't want to bring up. Yeah, um, It's still around. It's still prevalent. It's still definitely um, affecting other countries as well. And you have a lot of, um, especially, you know, as a chef, we have a lot of other chefs complain about how certain things are difficult to get to the restaurant prices and stuff like that. But um, the public fails to see that it's still around and you still have to take it seriously, still need to get tested. And you still need to make sure that your employees are safe. Still need to make sure that, you know, your guests are healthy as well. So, you know, we open um, counter 2.0, as we like to call it now, um, back in December. So just a little bit over two years since we opened up Counter 1.0, we opened up Counter 2.0. Thankfully, Biblio and Counter are in the exact same address. It's in one big box, and we split the dining rooms in half. Um, but they opened, and this is a terrible idea. I never recommend doing it. We opened them on the exact same night. <laughs> and we, yeah, uh, not a great idea. Uh, but they've been working side by side uh, for the past three months. Okay. Uh, Alyssa, uh, you, you don't exactly run a restaurant, uh, but you're a graduate of the Art Institute of Charlotte, and you have worked in many restaurants. You were at, I think, Fern, if I'm not mistaken, uh, for mm-hmm. a long time. And uh, so you have a, a point of view on this that I think is maybe unique because you've been involved in the restaurant scene and, uh, in Charlotte. So compare and contrast. How were we? How are we now? Um. Well, it's a great question. And I think being a little bit outside of restaurants now um, gives me a different perspective. Um, I currently teach classes and then we have another end of our business where we do to-go family meals and we also do catering. 
And that was our only focus. We couldn't do classes during the height of the pandemic and slowly brought them back in such a way that people felt more and more comfortable and our demographics on the audience we had changed. And uh, that was a really interesting thing to see. Um, now things are really strong again, at least for, for our end of the business. Um, but we, it was, it was, interesting to watch like we have to do a lot of corporate side of our business uh corporate groups businesses different um you know anything from law firms dentistry is um corporate business like that um uptown and we also see a lot of groups that are new to charlotte um and seeing it through their eyes and what they see as special about the food scene um so i think i guess coming back from the pandemic, uh, seeing that part of the business grow as well, um, and how that's kind of come back, whether like these new ways that people are sending people to the office in, in, you know, not quite full time position at the office and giving them flexibility. Um, it's, it's brought a new, like we see, I've started daytime classes and that's been really interesting to see that I get a lot of people who are working their jobs and still coming to a class. So, mm. um, you know, things have really shifted and it's opened my eyes to a lot of, of ways that people are living outside of just eating, uh, and the way that they're looking for food and the way that they're looking to expand their, um, horizons as far as um, cooking and things like that or Alyssa having fun. Br Alyssa brings up an interesting point. I have less than a minute left, Sam, but I'm going to throw this at you very quickly uh, because a lot of restaurateurs had a real <laughs> problem getting people to come back. The waiters and waitresses and bartenders were really impacted by the pandemic. They were completely out of work. When things opened back up, though, they found other opportunities, many of them. How, how much of a struggle is it to find people to staff front and back of house? Uh, 20 seconds. It's been incredibly easy. Really? Because you, yep. Because when you pay people what they're worth and you treat them correctly and you work with them and you find ways for them to be creative and, and speak their voice, they show up and they work for you. Which speaks to another easy. one of your philosophies at your restaurant, which we will also talk about when we come back. That's Sam Hart, who owns Counter and Biblio. Oscar Johnson owns Jimmy Pearls. Alyssa Weiland is Alyssa's Kitchen. And Crystal, Kristen Wiley's with Unpretentious Palette. Support comes from WFAE members and Mazda of South Charlotte. Using Mazda's customer-centric approach to cars to create a car buying and servicing experience where the customer is the center of their business. More at MazdaOfSouthCharlotte.com. It's Charlotte Talks on listener-funded 90.7 WFAE and WFAE.org. I'm Mike Collins. We're talking about Charlotte's food scene. Has it recovered from the pandemic with Sam Hart? Uh, executive chef and owner of Counter and Biblio, Alyssa Weiland, chef and owner of Chef Alyssa's Kitchen, Kristen Weil, who is editor and founder of a publication called Unpretentious Palette, and Oscar Johnson, chef and owner of Jimmy Pearls. And I just asked Sam a question about staffing post-pandemic, because a lot of uh, people found different lines of work, not just in the restaurant business, but everywhere. Uh, they found new opportunities, new thinking. Uh, he just said, Oscar, that it was, has not been difficult to find well, people front or back of house if you treat them fairly and pay them what they're what they're owed. Oscar, you wanted to chime in on that, too. Yes. Uh, so it has been extremely difficult. Um, it's a, well, I, I'm also speaking, you know, for you know a couple of other peers of mine. Um, we all have the mind 
you know, to definitely, you know, treat people, you know, fairly and pay them what they're worth. And when you can't, you have a responsibility as a business owner to not even, you know, entertain or try to bring people in if you know you can't pay them, you know. So for me and Chef Coop, you know, our perspective, you know, we, we've been doing everything. You know, we've um, started off, you know, doing dishes, you know, cashiering. I have to get my behind busted a little bit on the line sometimes just so Coop can keep ringing in orders, you know what I mean? And he'll switch and he'll sometimes it'll be him. Um, but we've been blessed, you know, recently to been able to, you know, build the um, the capital and everything like that to be able to like, okay, cool. You know, we can pay a dishwasher this amount. We can pay a cashier this amount. Um, but everyone's business structure is different. So, you know, that's amazing that, you know, Sam Hart been able to do that, you know, both of the concepts and everything like that. But that's not the case for everyone else because a lot of people don't want to come back to restaurants. You know, I mean, there are some business owners and some establishments that aren't paying people, you know, what they're worth. But then when you have chefs that actually do want to, but they know they can't, you know, you just kind of have to deal with it on most days and it just kind of pray that you're getting, yeah. you know, steady foot traffic, you know, that'll uh, generate that. So um, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people have said the heck with the restaurant industry because of, you know, benefits that they've gotten during the pandemic and then people are finding other careers and everything. So this is not the same all across the board. It, it, it's, it's definitely not that easy, but also it depends on, your business structure, who you are and like how much, you know what I mean? Like if you have that pay, you know, you have that ability to pay people, but I think it's all about having that mindset, you know, of like, Hey, you know, we do think that way, but it's, it, it's not always the case, you know? Uh, Kristen, I went to your online, uh, your unpretentious palette website <clears throat> yesterday to take a look around and you don't just publish once a month or, or once a week. You're publishing articles almost every single day. I, I was amazed at the amount of things you, you find to write about, which speaks well of the food scene here. Uh, and when, But when you think of food towns, you think of New Orleans, you think of Charleston, you think of New York, Chicago, even according to uh, the Washington Post, Portland, Oregon, which is kind of our sister city. We're always compared to Portland for some reason. Charlotte aspires to join those cities. Uh, and the CRVA, the Charlotte Regional Visitors Authority, has been promoting us to outsiders as a food city because we are the number one tourist attraction in the state. Are we a food city? I think we're a food city, and I think we're a really unique kind of food city. One of the things with Charlotte that I find so fascinating is that um, a lot of people that are coming to the city are they're either coming for business or they're coming to visit family and friends. Like I can't tell you how many friends of mine have had family members move down because they visit Charlotte, they fall in love, and they stay here. Um, and I spoke with Gina Sheridan of CRVA this week about Saber, and she uh, kind of mentioned this. Um, she called Charlottians the city's culinary ambassadors. And I think when people come to visit me, I'm so proud to take them out and share these restaurants with them. It's And it's a different kind of tourism than you would find in New York, right? Like if I'm going to New York, I'm calling Sam and Oscar, Alyssa, and I'm like, hey, where should I go, right? Like what are like the restaurants on the checklist versus when we have people come to Charlotte, we're like, let us show you the city we love and the restaurants we love. Um, and that's not to say, you know, that we don't have restaurants that are on the same level as Portland. Um, it's just you're coming at them from a different place, right? You're you're going as a night out with someone you you haven't seen in a while, you want to explore the city with, um, versus just like packing a bag for a weekend and trekking out on your own. Um, so I think that kind of changes things a little bit. And I think a lot of Charlotte's issues in terms of like national recognition stem from that in a way. I think 
you know, we always talk about the awards and the national publications. And um, if, you know, you're the writers at a national food magazine and you don't know anybody in Charlotte, it's probably less likely you would come to yeah. Charlotte versus taking a weekend to go to Asheville to get away to the mountains um, or, you know, Nashville for a bachelorette party. And you happen to stop at a few restaurants and you're like, oh, this is worthy of writing about. Right. So, you know, I think we are a food town. I think we're a food city. I just think the it's a different there's a different conversation around Charlotte than there is a city like Portland. Well, in 2022, a, a food and wine magazine found us. They named Charlotte one of America's next great food cities. They said Charlotte and the surrounding region are, quote, filled with ingenuity and forward-looking food projects. They, they, they pointed out Optimist Hall, which is an old textile mill that has been fo- turned into a, a food hall, a collection of food artisans. They mentioned seventh, the market at 7th Street, another food hall. They mentioned some white tablecloth restaurants as well. Uh, Alyssa, what does it mean to have been noticed by food and wine? What does it do for the restaurant business? Uh, I think it makes people feel like great we're seen um, and just keep pushing. Um, And I think that part of the reason that we're being noticed is because we're such a growing city. There is just so much more attention on, uh, you know, people, people moving here and it's a great place to start something new because with attention um, there's, there's just a lot where people can have the confidence to go ahead and start something and try something. Um, I know all of the chefs here on this um, on this talk this morning have started in a smaller location in a smaller concept um, with Oscar at the food truck and Sam having just moved to another location um, and growing it. Um, and we started as a pop up where South End was not like it was ten years ago. So. Uh, there's this op- there's opportunity with that growth and you can find pockets and you can find people that are really wanting to try things out. So uh, I think it's just a confidence builder for most of the people in the industry, those that kind of bigger attention. Um, but at the end of the day, we're all still focused on what's going to make our, what's going to bring people to our business. And um People don't necessarily walk in the door hearing, seeing that article, but there's a bigger pulse of, well, what things do I want to try? And and Alyssa, you and the other two chefs on this panel this morning are all award winners. Sam, you are a a James Beard Award 2023 semifinalist for Best Chef Southeast. For those who don't know, how does that happen? Do they stumble upon your restaurant? Do you put your name in in a hat and say, think about me? How does it work? So it's a mixture of a whole bunch of different things. Um, the, probably the coolest thing to happen to the James Beard ever happened to it two years ago when they did a self audit using Ernst & Young. And they realized that uh, James Beard was operating the exact same way as um, as they had been over the past couple of decades where they were just awarding the same people over and over again. It was the same faces and their friends and they weren't really getting out. And in order to nominate someone, you had to be an award winner in the in the past. So we've never had an award winner here in Charlotte. So it would have been pretty much impossible unless one of them decided to go on a vacation down to Charlotte for us to get a semifinalist or a finalist. And so thankfully, they drastically changed things. Um, most places nominate themselves or they have someone nominate them for them. 
Um, you also have, you know, PR companies and agencies that really assist a lot of these restaurants and um, a lot of these restaurant groups. And then it also comes down to, um, you know, a lot of the reviewers and chefs looking at restaurants that they believe are strong or up and coming. So it, it's a nice little mix of multiple different avenues, whereas before it was just, you know, kind of a, you know, boys club coming together and deciding, you know, <laughs> who is the best in the country. And then, you know, the places they weren't familiar with, they were just, you know, maybe Googling it and throwing stuff on the wall and see what stuck. Oscar, you are the 2022 North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association Chef of the Year. You're running uh, this restaurant called Jimmy Pearls. You're bringing food to Charlotte that is connected, as we said, to your Virginia roots. Uh, and it's a modern take on ancestral food. So give me some examples, menu items. How do you do how do you okay. how do you do that in your work? So I would always I would like to start and just kind of say like there's just all unapologetic. Um, I think a lot of times, um, especially from my experience of coming up in the culinary industry, um, there was always from from my eyes, it seemed like with different concepts, there was a sense of uh, like a need of refinement to be put on, you know, ethnic cuisine or like stuff like that. And it's like, of course, you know, you plate things and you want things to be presented well, but as far as just like the approach and cooking and just cooking naturally, um, that was one of those things that I just felt like, you know, especially with my background coming up in country clubs and working with master chefs and I, all that stuff was definitely beneficial and it gave me my skill set. But as far as the perspective, and cooking um i just wanted to do something that felt you know comfortable and more familiar and not straying away from my roots and um there's nothing to be ashamed about uh, we talk about using off cuts of meat um, we talk about like old school techniques and dishes and so um just random things there's nothing on the menu now but like stuff that could possibly show up on there but um you know tomato pudding i mean we've done a dinner where we feature pig's feet you know recently at community matters cafe um there's just like it's, it's just, once again, one word is just unapologetic and just really applying also some modern techniques, you know, to those dishes um, just to showcase the experience, you know, between Chef Coop and myself. Um, so all of those experiences that we've had in restaurants and different um, establishments, we still want to let that shine through. But as far as the perspective, there's no need to dumb it down or to polish um, anything um, when it comes to who you are. That's what makes us authentic. We've also heard a lot of chefs or restaurateurs talk about their restaurant being chef-driven, and that's usually associated with these white tablecloth places. You call your restaurant, Oscar, chef-driven, but it's casual. Yes, it's fast and ca not fast food, but it's fast and casual because it's at 7th Street Market. So what does that mean to be chef-driven? Because aren't all restaurants controlled by the chef? Well, I think it has everything to do with sourcing. So, I mean, you look at another seafood concept that kind of comes off as fast casual, but their fish comes from Vietnam and it's frozen and they're, you know, throwing it in the sink and running underwater as opposed to us, you know, working with local fishermen or working with local seafood purveyors and really pushing um, that quality of food out. I think then you can look at it from that perspective uh, as far as it being chef driven and then also how the food is being presented. So, yes, once again, fast casual concept. But how is the food being presented to the consumer? You know, is it just all thrown in the box? Like the stuff in the box might taste good, but then it's like we're taking that extra step and making sure we're presenting it in such a way where we're showing an appreciation for the ingredients, the different menu items. And it's also a direct reflection on of who we are. 
and how we, you know, how we cook our food, how we, like I said, how we present it. Um, also, the customer service aspect of it, too. You know, are we saying go ahead with your order? Or are we saying, hey, welcome to Jimmy Pearl? Just a little bit about us. You know, just as you said, you know, all of us have personal accolades, you know, that we've accomplished and then uh, accolades through our business that we can also share. So it's just all about the experience, um, okay. sourcing and all those other things that makes a chef driven. Sam, you wanted to jump in here. Yeah. So Oscar is the epitome of Charlotte becoming um, creating the foundation for us being a food city. So Chef Oscar and I, we actually worked for a short period of time at Myers Park Country Club together. We were in the same, uh, it was called the Tavern, same little bar and grill in this country club. And I have never seen someone so creative and so passionate about making something unique. And then at the same time, having a group of people wanting to snuff that out. And what's so cool about Oscar is that he pushed so outrageously hard to make his voice heard and to make his food so impactful um, where people had to deal with him. And it's so good. And it's the like when he had his food truck, it was the best food truck food. And then, you know, what he has now is so absolutely delicious. And it is the epitome of chef driven. You know, a lot of people say that. And, you know, Oscar's alluding to it. But I'll just say it point blank. People say that they're chef driven and they're lying. Um, <laughs> Oscar is the Oscar is the epitome of a chef driven restaurant. Okay. Um, he's also showcasing why Charlotte's going to become a food city. Like I said, we're in the foundational level of it. We're not there yet. We're building the house. We've got a strong foundation. And the reason why we're going to be a food city one day is because the people who are investing in restaurants and the guests that are coming out and supporting restaurants are supporting different people than they were 10 years ago and before, even before the pandemic. When you look at all these quote unquote food cities like Portland, you look at the larger cities like LA, Chicago and New York, you have incredible diversity. Here in Charlotte, I grew up here. I go way back in my family line here. When you look even up to about six years ago, seven years ago, it was the same people opening up the same restaurants, cooking the same food, and also to make it worse, not allowing the voices from other places to be heard. And the pandemic, when so many people came down here, you had to think differently, you had to showcase something unique, and the only people who could showcase something unique and make something delicious and new were people that didn't get their voices heard before that. And it's been really cool to see that diversity now being not only showcased, but that's what people want is they want this absolutely new, delicious, unique food. Alyssa, you are in the teaching and the, uh, the, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just escape my catering. Thank you. Uh, catering business. And, and you do uh, prepare meals uh, that people can take home and, and eat uh, in their own homes. But years ago you were a chef in a chef driven situation at Fern and it was kind of different for Charlotte because it was vegetarian based I'm just curious, since you were in that, in the middle of all of that, and now you're doing this, have our food tastes, have the people going out to eat, have the people coming to you wanting to learn to cook or wanting you to prepare meals for their home, have their tastes broadened, changed? Are they asking for different things now? I think they certainly are. And even before Fern, I did spend my whole career working up through restaurants. So I was cooking everybody else's food and finally found my voice when I got the opportunity to, you know, cook 
helpful and vegetarian based. Um, and we cook everything and do everything at uh, with our classes at Chipolis's Kitchen. Um, and I think that uh, we see so many people coming to, like I put on a class that I think I'm not really sure and there's an audience. So um, I hear a lot of people come to a class and they're like, wow, I have maybe a Lebanese dish. I cook this type of thing or I've never learned really how to cook this, but it brings back my family like and, and what I tasted when I was young. So there's, there's lots of those little factors um, where people aren't necessarily cooking something themselves. They don't have a way to channel that because either they're not with their family or people have passed or they're they're just not, they want to experience it in another way. So I'm excited to be able to provide that and through our experiences people can see ingredients from the base level and see what becomes of them so they're learning along the way. Alyssa Weiland is chef and owner of Chef Alyssa's Kitchen. She's here with Sam Hart from Biblio Encounters, Oscar Johnson from Jimmy Pearls and Kristen Weil from Unpretentious Palette. We're coming right back. Support comes from WFAE members and Mazda of South Charlotte, incorporating Mazda's customer-centric vehicle design by making the customer the center of business to create a better car buying experience. More at MazdaOfSouthCharlotte.com. It's Charlotte Talks on WFAE and WFHE. I'm Mike Collins. We're here with the three people involved in the restaurant business from various different aspects to talk about how we have recovered and where we are on our road to foodie town here in, in Charlotte. Sam Hart owns Counter and Biblio. He's the chef there. Uh, we've a lot of, you're a James Beard Award semifinalist. Uh, you're joined by Greg Collier and, um, and by Nodaz Salud, de, uh, I hope I say this right, Cerveceria, uh, which is on the James Beard Outstanding uh, Bar list. Uh, three award winners or nominees in the single year. But you've said, Sam, that you are not in this for awards, but you're in it to support diversity. You, are, you say that you've, you've added that it's really cool, the diversity of the awards and the diversity of people who are running and operating those businesses. Are we becoming more diverse? Is it unusual for a, you mentioned that for years it was the same people running the same restaurants over and over and preventing people who are more diverse getting into the business. How unusual is that for a town to open their doors to, to, to embrace this diversity uh, of, of dining? I think that it's, um, it depends on where you are, uh, mainly geographically. I believe here in the Southeast, it's very different than when you're looking around the rest of the country. You know, when you look in California, I mean, since day one, the food industry has been diverse and been, um, you know, give or take, you know, decades here and there, um, you know, there's been so much support of that diversity. But here, you know, in the Southeast, it's been very slow, especially on the fine dining aspect of things. You know, people don't talk enough about who has won most outstanding chef the past two awards so you look at mishama bailey who is a very strong awesome outspoken black woman who won most outstanding chef in the whole country who opened up a place called the gray in an old uh bus station segregated bus station and you know the food is a showcase of an intermingling of those two cultures as well you know that's a that's a restaurant that's here in the southeast and, you know, if you were to say that that was a chef who would win, you know, one of these larger awards 20 years ago, it would not probably be what you would expect. 
And then you have Ashley Christensen, who won a couple of years ago up in Raleigh, um, who is an incredible chef as well. You know, you're seeing you're seeing different people win these gigantic awards. You know, Chai Pani won Most Outstanding Restaurant. And so I think it's really pushing the narrative here in Charlotte. Um, and it's like, okay, maybe we do need to open up our eyes a little bit more from the franchise and from the steakhouse and see what else, um, you know, the people here have to offer because the the chefs have been here, the cooks have been here, the talent's been here. Um, and now they're finally getting the platform to express themselves, which is really, really awesome to see. Uh the restaurant business suffered greatly during the pandemic and the recovery has been difficult for a lot of reasons among them the we've all experienced this whether we dine out or not the rising cost of food and the supply chain issue that 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 resulted in a lot of things simply not being available as they used to be uh Kristen you published an article about longtime specials at restaurants experiencing price increases in the face of those rising costs and how the owners of those restaurants were handling all of this. What did they tell you? And more importantly, how are diners handling all this? Because I know it costs more to eat out most often than it did before the pandemic. Yeah, so um, there's, there's been some interesting kind of side stories that I've, I've picked up on during reporting some of these. Um, and one of them that's actually like somewhat worrisome is there's almost seems like to be... Um, becoming um dining is a luxury um for in, and becoming more so a luxury than something anyone has um access to and um that kind of came forward in in this story a little bit where um depending on the concept and the general you know check average of the concept um kind of determined how people reacted to the change so um i think in basically if you can afford it, you know, it's, it's 50 cents for an oyster, right? It's, you understand that prices change and you're just like, Oh, it's, it's fine, whatever. Um, but if you're, you know, you're going to a happy hour and you're going there because you can afford to dine out at that time, it's, you know, a special thing that you get to do. Um, and that price changes that that's a big impact on your ability yeah. to dine out. Right. And so, um, well well, that, br that brings me to this, because yeah. in a fine dining restaurant, if you know you're going to a fine dining restaurant, you know you're going to be dropping a pretty penny. Right. Uh, and most people who go there can afford to go there and do that. But Oscar, right. you're running a fast, casual restaurant. Your prices have risen just as much as Sam's prices have risen. But your customers are there for a, a grab-and-go, a quick, uh, tasty experience. And yet you have to charge them more than perhaps you'd like to or perhaps you have in the past. How has that impacted you? Um, it's impacted us a little bit, but I think it's been manageable because um, Coop and I have our minds made up that no matter what happens, we're still going to deliver fresh seafood. Um, however, we need to move things around. So we're looking at certain recipes and saying, okay, we're still going to get, you know, some good crab, but how are we going to maximize that, uh, the profit margin on that? You know what I mean? Like stretching that recipe out, you know, like, hey, it's going to be, it's still going to be a five ounce, but like, let's figure out how we can get more out of the crab meat instead of having to, you know, totally get rid of it because it's something that sells pretty well but then we have to adjust you know pricing on that as well too and that goes for some of our other you know um, dishes on our menu you know so we, we literally it's like a week after week thing and um, when you go to order your food you're like all right cool it's the little it, it could be the most least expensive thing on the menu but you're still looking at like 
how can we stretch this out? Or if we do um, say, for instance, a lot of people think that we have like six, six different fish that you can choose from for a fish sandwich. And it's like, no, nah, we're not doing it like that. We're, we're, we're using the same rotation. Like it'll be, you know, local catfish, trout, and um, it could be red drum, but we might have to run the catfish two consecutive weeks, you know, um, instead of just like switching it up. And I mean, well, we still actually do switch it up, but it's still not going to be six different types of fish all at once because we're, we're still trying to stay within the price point and, and keep it consistent. How has it affected the uh, uh, catering business, Alyssa? Um, you know, having several different concepts, having to raise prices in every every part of the business is has been scary at every turn. Uh, like I lose sleep over it, just thinking if I if I raise this up, am I going to lose my guests that have been with me for a long time? Um, but overall, I think there is a sense of understanding. However, when I look at catering and to-go meals, my competition are really big box, big box chains or retailers. And um, it's not just food, it's packaging. So when I think about what I have to factor in, that's a huge part of it too. Um, and that's supply chain issues as well. I'll not get a shipment of something. Um, and that was happening a lot early on. So really having to change things. And we pay a lot for our packaging because it's all compostable and uh and then we try not to waste it. So, you know, we're, we're really trying to be um, cautious of all that. And then on top of it, I'm, I'm just, I'm paying my staff a lot more. So the food to get it on the plate, the quantity um, is going to be right there with a, a larger business, but I have to really, really sell it. I have yeah. to explain why this is better, why our choices are better, why the, um, and why that should be a better investment for all around, you know, sustainability of Charlotte, just supporting local and making everything it, it, like work together. And with your, when you're supporting us, you're supporting others. And I think that's the story that we all have to tell that take, that is, we're all collectively like trying to get out there is that, there is more to supporting local and there's more to supporting these small businesses. But I have people call me on the phone and they'll say, well, I didn't like this or I didn't like that. And I was trying to support local, but that's not what the story that we want. We want people to understand that it's better for a lot of reasons. And we're just like anybody else doing a great job. That's all sounds negative and I hate to go that direction, but um, I think there's just a lot more into it. There's than just the rise of food costs. There is the rise of staffing. There is the rise of, 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 you know, your chemicals, like everything it takes to run a business. It's not just food and that's what consumers see, but um, there's a bigger story there. Um, and I, I, you know, you just hope that everybody is understanding and they have grace with the fact that you have to do these things and it 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 comes from the bottom it comes from the customers really um i think you i can't think too much i think oscar has more on this as well yeah i'm just expanding on that um you know as business owners i think a lot of us um can speak and agree it's just like you know we don't really Oh, the consumers, you know, the explanation, because you're not going to like after every transaction, someone's going to say, well, dang, like, why is why is my crab cake sandwich like $18? And I'm like, OK, well, we are, obviously in our minds, you know, there, there's a little bit of ignorance there. Um, but when we get an opportunity like this and hopefully there are people listening, this is the 
place where we can actually share everything that goes into um, just as Chef Alyssa was saying, like down to chemicals and just other little things that people don't think about, like all of that gets factored in to the menus that we curate. And so especially when we when when we're working our butts off and we're like, man, we're giving you a great product. Why should there even, you know, especially word of mouth, especially when we're trusting that word of mouth and some of these other devices are being used to, you know, get people in. And it's like, it's a different perspective from a chef. Of course, I'm going to eat at everyone's restaurant. I'm not thinking about it. I mean, I can look and be like, ooh, okay, well, I'm still about to order it. You know, it's a different perspective. <laughs> and we're really trying to get more people to understand and be more graceful, especially when you know, if people only knew how much was going into a plate of food or a side of field pea slaw or a side of greens, like whatever it is, it's just like, wow, okay. You have more people thinking that way. You're, you're not really stopping at these price points. Or if you are stopping at it, Take responsibility and just say, hey, I can't I can't afford it. It's fine. I can't afford to, you know, a gym membership somewhere right now doing stuff at home. I'm not going to waste no one's time trying to, you know, say, hey, man, I want to be in the best shape of my life. Oh, your prices are too high. Like, no, it's it's, it's, it's a it's a really difficult time um, economically. Right. And we're being creative and we're and we're, you know, we're figuring these things out every day. So Sam, just want more people to be understanding. Sam, go ahead. Yeah, so I, I love all the points that are being brought brought up because you know we're in the only industry that exists where uh, the consumer is not only our biggest critic and reviewer, um, they're the people that can push us up the most, they're the people that can tear us down the most, um, but there's this crazy reason for some crazy insane idea that uh, they also know what it should be priced at, what it should sell for, and all this other crazy stuff. Like you've never had, um, for some crazy reason, just in restaurants, you know, they are the boss. And that's why it needed to flip. And at one point, you know, a chef's just gotta say, hey, you know what, go cook it at home. You know, there's, there's, that's what a lot of people have lost their way on is over the past few generations every single generation people are cooking less and less at home people are learning less and less of how to take care of themselves and cook for themselves the reason you come to jimmy pearls is because there's no way that you can fry fish the way that oscar fries fish and makes a sandwich and makes his food the way that he makes it you can't do it you know i like to think that the reason why people come into counter is because they haven't heard these stories before and they haven't tried this food before. And there's a price to it, you know? And uh, I think people are finally realizing it, which is great. You know, what we do is more than just a trade. What we do is an art form. It is a version of storytelling. It's a business. And people are finally realizing that. And that's why they call it culinary arts. That's why Alyssa went to the Art Institute of Charlotte to learn uh, her trade. Uh, I'd like to hear from all four of you very quickly because we have about three minutes left. What is missing in Charlotte's dining scene right now? What do we not have that you think we should have? And it could be anything. I'll start with you, Sam. I think what we're missing here in Charlotte is a common thread and a common bond between chefs. You know, in New York, it is the highest level of service. In Chicago, it's the highest level of ingenuity. In California, it's the highest level of freshness and, and using local produce. But I think what would be so beautiful is if in Charlotte, the one thing that we're known for, the common thread, is the community. And having everyone here working with one another 
assisting one another and especially making restaurants the healthy, happy place to work instead of the rundown place that everyone else is accustomed to. Wow. Well, we have two minutes left, so I urge you to keep your comments shorter than that. But uh, Oscar, you're next. Go ahead. What are we missing? I think it's just missing a little bit more authenticity. Um, development is good, and we understand that you know things change and everything like that. But I think that restaurants are being paired with high-rises and apartments and all this other stuff. And I understand that people are moving from different cities, but then we're pushing out original Charlotte restaurants because we're jacking up the prices of rent. Um, and businesses close for a variety of different reasons. We understand that. But you go to other places that we name, like Los Angeles and everything like that, you have like little joints that you can just literally go to and get some cheap, good eats, like affordable, whatever. But then it's like Charlotte doesn't have a lot of joints. You know what I mean? Like authentic right. places. So we can expand on that later. Time, and, and, what, yeah. and what we did have, we, as you point out, we are losing. Alyssa, same question. Um, just easy access to great food at any time, like on these lower levels, like just having a casual place you can go into and get fantastic food. And I know that we've got that a lot and we're speaking to a lot of that today. Um, but that that's just what I think will we'll push the higher level is just easy access. And, and finally, Kristen, you can answer that question, but I also want to get back to something you told WCNC several years ago before the pandemic, that we were really beginning to find our cultural or our culinary identity. Have we found it? Yeah, to me, I think the farm driven cuisine that you can get here is becoming our identity. So I'm going to stick by that one. Um, I think the farmers we have in this area are incredible. The seasonality of Charlotte is awesome. Um, and there are so many farmers and chefs that work hand in hand to do some really cool things. Kristen Weil is editor and founder of an online publication called Unpretentious Palette. You will be amazed at what they write about almost every day. Oscar Johnson is chef and owner of Jimmy Pearls. Alyssa Weiland, chef and owner of Chef Alyssa's Kitchen. Sam Hart, executive chef and owner of Counter and Biblio. Thank you all for the hour. Support comes from WFAE members and Mazda of South Charlotte, focused on applying Mazda's customer-centric approach for vehicle design to car buying and servicing in order to create an experience centered around the customer. More at MazdaofSouthCharlotte.com.